This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Tough Monday morning as we flip the calendar to October as the Buccaneers go into the Big Easy and come up short. The New Orleans Saints behind Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. They kept chanting in the Superdome. He throws four touchdown passes, and the Saints get the win. Welcome into the latest edition of the Nothing But Bucks podcast. I am TJ Reeves. I'm proud to be with you once more. It's always a pleasure to come on here and recap Buccaneer games. I know everybody's feeling a little down about this game against the New Orleans Saints, especially after you were so sky high after the win last week in the L.A. Coliseum over the Rams. But there's a couple of things. First of all, division games are always different because the opponents know each other, know the tendencies, know the players, the personnel, the matchups. So that makes them different. And in this case, New Orleans is good. They have been good for years and years and years. And even without Drew Brees, they are well prepared. They're well coached. That's one of the most hostile places to play inside the Superdome. You better be on point or you're not going to be able to beat the Saints. And it's rare that the Saints give up a game, especially in October. I believe that game yesterday now means that in their last 15 October home games, they're 13-2. and So it's not easy to beat that team, period, but much less when the season begins to roll on. Remember, the Buccaneer upset a year ago came in the opener uh, in September, so... I give credit to New Orleans as much as anything. They played well. Michael Thomas is a fantastic receiver. The Saints pass rush really overwhelmed the Bucks, especially in the fourth quarter of the game with the game on the line. So sometimes you just have to say it's a tough division upon. I mean, the Saints have been in the playoffs. They were the number one seed last year. Division winner, playoff victory um, two years ago. I mean, that you, you, at some point you have to understand they're really good. They're a division rival. And here's the good thing, Buccaneer fans. We're all about positives on nothing but Bucks, or at least try to be. You will get a crack at this team later in the year at home. And if you continue to win some games here in the middle of the season, then all of your games at the end of the year, if you can get to a fifth win, a sixth win by the time you get to December, then all of your games in December are going to matter for the playoff hunt to try to get to eight wins, nine wins, or maybe that magical 10th win that always seems to get you at least a wild card. So right now, if you're the Bucks, you're hunting victories every week, yes, but the goal is to get to six, seven wins. Hey, a bonus, maybe get to an eighth win. Even with this schedule where you're away from Raymond James Stadium for seven weeks, for five weeks of football and a bye, if you can get to somewhere around something like six wins by the end of all of this, find a way to beat Carolina uh, find a way to go at, at Nashville or at Seattle, get one of those wins, get to a fourth victory. You get to uh, the end of Thanksgiving in November with some home games with a sixth win, a seventh win. You're going to have a great chance to make the playoffs uh, in this division. We don't know how everything else is going to shape up, but year after year, nine or ten wins has you lurking for the playoff hunt. That's the positive that you take away here is that you still are going to have home games with a chance to vie for a playoff spot. Uh, and, and look, the Saints have been doing this to everybody else. They beat the Cowboys last Sunday night. They went to Seattle and won without Drew Brees. Uh, so uh, you got to credit New Orleans a lot. All right, so on the podcast, we're about to have some highlights with Gene and Dave on the calls on Buccaneers Radio. You'll hear from some special guests after it's over with from our Hooters postgame show, the likes of Jameis Winston, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, uh, and even head coach Bruce Arians, who was none too happy with a lot of things, including the officiating. We are going to talk about the officiating 
um, as as this podcast rolls on and, and some of the things that I saw at field level as part of the game broadcast. And, and the head coach had every right to be upset with some of what you're saying. The officiating across the board struggled in the NFL um, this uh, this Sunday. And uh, there there have to be some real concerns here with Al Riveron, the head of, of officiating, and some of what has to be analyzed. Uh, I, I know uh, in watching some of the Sunday night game as we flew home from New Orleans, there were a couple of horrible calls um, in, in that game in Big D, including one where Jason Garrett got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, the Cowboys head coach, uh, because there was a no call on pass interference and he had to challenge uh, what went on. And he was that upset. And then if, if even if you watch the Sunday night game with the Colts and the Chiefs, a couple of botched calls in that game, including an obvious uh, bad call on offensive pass interference on a key third down for the Colts that was not overturned on replay. So it wasn't just, I know the Bucks. Uh, fans, I know Buck fans that are listening to this are smarting from some of the bad calls on Sunday, but there were bad calls in other games as well. And officiating is a hard job. I, I say to people all the time, I've, I've officiated uh, in different sports. My father was an official uh, in basketball and football. I've officiated in basketball. Until you put the whistle in your mouth, you have the striped shirts on with a flag in football and gone out, or you, you get behind home plate with the gear on and the, and the face mask and go try to officiate. Give it a give it a little bit of a pause there on just blasting these guys. Now I know they do it for a living. Now in the NFL, it's not a full time living, but it's not an easy job. They just need to be better at it and more consistent at it is the main thing. And we'll talk more about that as the podcast uh, goes on. All right. So enough about the officiating. Let's get to what went on in this game. Superdome, three and one Saints, two and two Buccaneers. First meeting of the year. Uh, in New Orleans, again, Drew Brees, the injured thumb, is working out some, was putting on Instagram that he's throwing some passes. He's not able to play right now, probably not able to play for at least a couple of more weeks with the thumb ligament injury suffered in week two. So Teddy Bridgewater would be the quarterback. And the Saints uh, end up taking the lead on the first uh, scoring drive of the game on a Will Lutz field goal. So they got a 29-yard field goal for a 3 nothing advantage. Uh, Bridgewater has the lead. Bridgewater gets the ball back. This is late in the first quarter after the Bucs were not able to do something with the ball for a couple of possessions. And that's when the Buccaneer defense comes up with a play here. Bridgewater awaits the snap. Here it comes. We drop into coverage. Pass on the crossing route. It's intercepted. Picked off by the Buccaneers. Bunting Inside the 20-yard line. Murphy Bunting picks off the pass of Teddy Bridgewater. Right place, right time for Sean Murphy Bunting, the rookie defensive back off the deflected ball. They were trying to get the ball to Alvin Kamara. Ball batted up in the air by Kamara. Murphy Bunting the interception, runs it down inside the 20, and it doesn't take the Buccaneers long to be able to cash that pick into seven. Winston to throw out of the gun, dropping, looking, flushed out of the pocket, throws the ball upfield, caught ball of the 10, 5, 3, 2, 1, touchdown Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, go-to guy last week, and a hero today on the Bucks lead 6-3. to three. Man, how good has that combination been? Uh, on the scramble, Jameis to Chris Godwin, 26-yard touchdown. Godwin again and again and again getting in the end zone. Uh, and in, in this case, it's a 26-yarder for his latest touchdown catch. And the Bucs have the lead at 7-3 off the turnover, uh, worth the seven points. Remember, last week they had 28 points off turnovers in the win over the Rams, so you get seven points early. But then it would be a theme throughout this game 
Uh, too many times, Michael Thomas in key situations was open, and Teddy Bridgewater was finding him, found him on a key third down. And then this 75-yard drive would cap here for the Saints. Send the motion receiver, dropping back to throw Bridgewater, fires on the left side, caught ball at the five-yard line. Thomas into the end zone. Is it a touchdown? Yes, it is. Michael Thomas with three huge catches on this drive. A 14-yard touchdown catch right at the pylon on the Bucs' side of the field. And New Orleans retakes the lead. It's 9-7. 14 yards officially for Bridgewater's first touchdown pass of the game. Again, Thomas is arguably uh, one of the three or four best receivers in the NFL. He may be the best underneath receiver, 10, 15 yards downfield in all of the NFL. I know about Julio Jones. I know about when healthy A.J. Green. Uh, heck, Mike Evans deserves to be in that conversation. I'm going to probably leave somebody else uh, out while I'm going down with this. Amari Cooper had 200 yards for the Cowboys yesterday. Uh, you look across the board. I mean, Julian Edelman, yes, is great underneath. Uh, for the New England Patriots catching 10, 15-yard passes, but Michael Thomas is right there with him on being able to go and make plays. So now the Saints in the lead at 10-7, to but the Bucs were undaunted. They're able to make some plays, uh, drive the ball back down the field, could not get in the end zone, but Matt Gay, uh, the, the rookie kicker, would line this one up. A rookie kicker out of Utah, near side hash, 32-yard line, a 42-yard field goal attempt. Crowd making noise. The spot of the ball, kick airborne. Matt Gay has just silenced the crowd and tied the game at 10 to 10. 42-yard field goal, significant because it reties the game at 10-10. Significant also is that Matt Gay has now made five of his six kicks beyond 40 yards on the season. Remember the 58-yarder a week ago when he needed all those points in Los Angeles. And you're fine at this point. Five minutes to go in the half. You got the game retied. You quieted the crowd back down. But the story and the theme would be the same, and that is the Saints making plays. Again, another long completion to Michael Thomas helps set the Saints up. They drive inside the 20. They get down inside the 10, and Bridgewater capitalizes again late in the half. Bridgewater from the nine-yard line, second down and goal. Will send a line in motion. Here's the snap, Bridgewater ducks it, fires the ball to the three-yard line, two-yard line, one-yard line, touchdown New Orleans Saints. That's a nine-yard touchdown catch for Jared Cook, the big tight end. He's kind of underperformed right now uh, under uh, Sean Payton's offense, but he catches the nine-yarder for the score, and the Saints take the lead 17-10 into the locker room. I know talking to Coach Bruce Arians at halftime, uh, coming out of that locker room, I asked him about Michael Thomas. He said, we got to get up on him. we got to cover him better. we got to do a better job of getting after Bridgewater uh, with his success. And that did not happen. Obviously, uh, the Saints take the opening kickoff in half number two, and it only takes three plays for them to be able to get in the end zone again here. Bridgewater takes the snap under a little bit. He runs to it, looks downfield, throws a crossing route, caught, ball, touchdown, New Orleans Saints. Good golly, wide open on a corner post, Ted Ginn. And the Saints' Teddy Bridgewater is hotter than a match. 33 yards to Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn, who seems to have been a buck killer, not only with the Saints, but with the Carolina Panthers before this. 33-yard touchdown catch right down the middle of the defense. Looked like it might have been a blown coverage. I know Kevin Minter, uh, the linebacker who led the Bucks with 10 tackles, he was looking at, at safety help at Vernon Hargraves on the outside on who was supposed to have uh, again coming on the skinny post. 33-yard touchdown was Bridgewater's. 
a third of the day, and now New Orleans in command at this stage, 24 to 10. But give the Bucks credit a couple different times here. They could have waved the white flag a couple of times in the second half and said this is over. They kept battling, and they would then go on the longest drive uh, in terms of plays and time on the clock the entire season. A 17-play drive would ensue, chewing up almost nine minutes on the clock. Bucks move into scoring range, had a shot on first and goal, uh, trying to get the ball to Dario Gunbawale out of the backfield, couldn't get it. Tried to get the ball to Mike Evans down on the uh, uh, goal line, could not get the ball to Mike Evans. Now it's third and goal here. Here's the snap inside handoff. Barber slams his way in touchdown Tampa Bay. Big quick wow. hitter by Peyton Barber. He almost they went airborne. One hop, there. skip, and a jump, and right over right guard, and the Bucks score a touchdown and silence this huge crowd of the Superdome. Again, Mean Gene Deckerhoff on the calls as Peyton Barber gets the touchdown, his third one of the season, a two-yard run. And again, you, you silence the crowd at least for a little bit there in that moment. You get seven points, not three. You're back within seven uh, midway through the third quarter at 24-17. You're fine at this stage. You've got a lot of football left. You've played uh, decently on offense. You've just got to find a way to get some kind of pass rush on Teddy Bridgewater, which you know they, they did during one series in the third quarter where we saw Vita Vea, Carl Nassib being able to, to get after Bridgewater, force a three and out. But by and large, he had too much time to throw, and that would be the theme at the end of the third quarter where the Saints got the kickoff and then began a march that would total 91 yards. Again, a couple of more big completions, one to Michael Thomas, one again to Jared Cook down the middle. And the Saints, as the game flipped into the fourth quarter, moved inside the red zone, and Bridgewater again looking over the middle for who else? Empty backfield for Bridgewater. Takes the snap. Pass the ball in the caught ball at the tie. 3 2 1. Michael Thomas with a Houdini move scores a Saints touchdown. 91 yard scoring drive. Teddy Bridgewater throws his fourth touchdown of the game, and the Saints are marching with a 30 17 lead. Thomas's second touchdown catch of the day. He had an enormous game in this one as Michael Thomas would finish with 13, or with 11 catches on 13 targets, 182 yards, averaged 16 yards per catch. And the Saints once again had the two-touchdown cushion. That was key at 31-17. And that's when they turned up the defensive pressure, especially with the front four, the likes of Cameron Jordan, their former first-round pick, another first-round pick last year in Marcus Davenport. They were just too tough for the Buccaneer defensive line. Five sacks of Jameis Winston in the fourth quarter alone uh, in this game. Could not get away from the rush. Uh, Buccaneers forced to punt the ball. They, they finally got the ball back one last time uh, after the Saints elected, interestingly, around the two-minute warning and under the two-minute warning trying to run the clock out to not kick a field goal up 31-17. They were in easy field goal range for Will Lutz. Uh, Sean Payton tried to go for it on fourth down. They missed. The Bucks in the final minute and a half drive inside uh, of uh, Saints territory, get inside the, the 30, get inside uh, the 20-yard line, and finally, once again, Jameis Winston late in the game to Chris Godwin. Shotgun said Winston, first down from the 25. Winston throws toward the end. It's caught ball, and this catch is made at the 5-3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chris Godwin. 26-yard touchdown, Godwin over 100 receiving yards 
yet again in this game. Back-to-back -back games where he's up over 100 receiving yards uh, in the contest. Seven catches, 125, and the two touchdowns. Yes, it was padding the stats. Yes, the Saints were playing loosely on defense. I get all of that, but the game is not completely over yet. You got the fourth down stop. You get the touchdown. As I said on the radio broadcast, you were still showing fight. Bruce Arians could have saved his one timeout he had left and basically let New Orleans run the whole clock out and end the game by handing the ball off. The Bucs were still willing to go down the field and try to score, get the onside kick. They could not get the onside kick. The Saints kneel on it, and they earn a 31 to 24 victory on Sunday in the Superdome. So credit to what New Orleans was able to do. It was more a story about their play uh, than it was the Buccaneer play. I know uh, the Bucs, especially in the fourth quarter, did not play well, did not pass protect well with the game on the line. But for a lot of that game, they did some things well offensively. The story is more so on defense, where they let the Saints convert 8 of 15 on third down. A lot of that Michael Thomas uh, free time and again on third down. Uh, this team's really got to shore up the secondary in particular. We're going to talk more about that um, in a little bit here. Now, a, a couple of things about the calls and about the officiating in the game. So early on, uh, there was a punt that was fumbled, clearly fumbled by the Saints uh, punt returner, Demonte Harris, on a big hit by TJ Logan. Reserve running back put the hit on him on punt coverage. And the ball came out. I thought live that he may have been down, but again, I didn't have a great vantage point on was his rump, his backside down on the ground. Although the replay clearly showed that it was. One thing that was obvious, and again, I get the privilege of being at field level on Buccaneers Radio, Anthony Auclair, the backup tight end on special teams, clearly recovered the fumble right beside the pile. He's up out of the pile with the ball immediately right in front of the official showing it to him. That would be key because they reviewed this play and it was obvious that Harris did not have a knee down, a forearm down, his backside not down. He was not down. He was on the leg of Logan when he got spun around and the ball came out. And so it's clearly a fumble. But then Al Riveron, the supervisor of officials, the replay command center in New York, say that they did not have a clear replay showing a clear recovery. Well, to me, that's where the officials on the on the field, Brad Allen and his crew, need to say to New York, we have a clear recovery here on the field. We saw Anthony Auclair immediately with the ball. So if we have fumble, we have buck recovery. And rightfully so, head coach Bruce Arians livid uh, about the nuance of that call that, hey, we see he's not on the ground. We see that it's a fumble, but we don't have replay evidence of a clear recovery the officials, in my mind, have to stand up for themselves a little more. I mean, you're, you're making these guys gun-shine a lot of ways about making calls, uh, and now you're doing it even more so where you're saying, hey, whatever you're calling on the field doesn't count as much as what we're going to review with an instant replay in New York, uh, and we're going to overrule you, and, and we're going to tell you what to do and, and what to say. So in that case, I would have liked to have seen them stand up for themselves a little more. And there were, there were a couple of other instances. Later on in the first half, they clearly missed the Saints running new personnel on the field and then trying to run a hurry-up play to the line of scrimmage to catch the Bucks off guard. That's something we talked about on the air in the Rams game. It's a no-no. If you substitute, the officials are supposed to run in and stop the snap for happening, uh, from happening for at least 10 seconds. You'll see the umpire come in with his arms outstretched and say, nope, nope, hold on. You got to let the other team substitute. That did not happen. Uh, they let Taysom Hill and a blocking back come running in and then run to the line of scrimmage. The Saints should have been stopped from running the hurry up. 
That was missed by this officiating crew. Uh, also missed later on in the game, the really the first play uh, of the second half, the long catch by Michael Thomas that we were talking about earlier coming out of the locker room, the game 17-10. He gets away with a shove right in front of the Buccaneers bench on Vernon Hargraves. No flag thrown for offensive interference. Oh, the irony of the Saints for all of their complaining and whining about no calls on pass interference. And so now we have instant replay for pass interference. And there's Michael Thomas clearly stretching his arms out, his right arm in particular, and shoving Vernon Hargraves away from him to create separation. They go to the replay command center, and Al Riveron and his staff do not overturn that call. I know the Bucs were livid. Uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator. Bruce Arians were livid. Uh, I, I will I, I will simply say that you've seen through the first month, and I didn't get to see all the games on Sunday, that if there is no call on the field, if there's no pass interference, either offensive or defensive, they are hesitant to overturn and say, let's call it. Let's call the flag. They will rule on whether the flag was good or not and overrule. But uh, I, I think I saw the stat that somewhere around only 15% of the calls in the first four weeks that were no calls, no flag at all, had been overturned to either defensive or offensive pass interference. So an early trend is they're not overturning if there's no flag thrown. In that case, to me, it looked black and white on the replay. There's two different angles of him shoving Vernon Hargraves. And it should have been pass interference, and the Saints should have been backed up. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. you got the whole second half still to play. And later in the game, Brad Allen's crew missed, and this is while the game was still on with the Saints driving uh, for a touchdown in the third quarter. They missed, actually it was in the fourth quarter, early on in the fourth quarter, they they missed the Saints having 12 guys in the huddle for, for 10 seconds. The Bucks got caught with this uh, earlier this year. Uh, if you've got a 12th guy on offense or even on defense, if you line up in formation with 12 guys for more than a couple of seconds, they're going to throw the flag. Those refs are supposed to be counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and there's number 12. And if he doesn't get out of the huddle within one second of the sub coming in, you've got 12 guys in there. It's supposed to be a five-yard penalty. It was not a five-yard penalty. Again, you can nitpick on a lot of the officiating in a lot of these games, but yesterday they had a rough day. In the Superdome, I was there at field level when these things were being missed. Some of it is if you're players, you just got to shake it off, go play, and score more points. I understand that. But the Michael Thomas plays an enormous 40-plus yard gain early on in the second half. That should have been negated. It was not. And the Bucks have every reason to gripe on that. And I know I know. back in the first half on the fumbled punt, it worked out anyway because Murphy Bunting, Murphy Bunting got the interception a couple of plays later after the uh, the non-reversal on the punt fumble. But still, you want these calls to be right, especially with instant replay. And it was interesting that the officials on the field were not going to throw Carlton Davis out of the game uh, for the helmet-to-helmet contact. The Bucks defensive back who was ejected late in the second quarter. It was New York. It was Al Riveron, an instant replay in the, in the command center that radioed to Brad Allen, the referee, talking to him in his earpiece and said, Number 33 is ejected, and Carlton Davis thrown out, and that obviously changed the dynamic of how the Bucks were looking to pass cover. So, again, it's a Saints win, 31-24, when it was done on our Hooters postgame show. Uh, we go inside that locker room and have some interviews. First up, quarterback Jameis Winston here on the tough defeat. 31-24, our final. The Saints have won it. Levante David, gracious to stand here uh, with me. This was a hard-fought uh, battle. 
Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, with four touchdowns in the game. Just say something about the way he played going against a veteran like that today. Yeah, I mean, you can't take nothing away from him. He played an excellent game. He was out there executing. Uh, he's making all his throws. And um, played a great game, man. Gave, a chance, gave his team a chance to win, man. Making all the right throws and, you know, got them the victory. You were able to get off the field a couple of times in the second half, hanging in. They got the touchdown early in the second half. What were you doing better in the second half to give this team a chance to come back and at least tie it up? I mean, it wasn't really nothing to do. It was just us locking in, just, us just doing our job and playing on our responsibilities. You know, same time, though, you got to give credit to them. Just executing, you know, executing at a high level. But at the same time, it was all about us, man. We just got to do better. Do you just look at this as, hey, uh, you get another opportunity against this team in the NFC South later in the year, give them credit at their house, go get them next time? Yeah, of course, most definitely. We get another opportunity to play against them, but uh, we can't hang our heads on this one. Got to keep on playing, got to keep on going. But that's definitely one that we wanted. But at the same time, we didn't come out here ready to play, so we ended up losing. Again, Winston had been held right around 130 yards for much of that game. A lot of sacks in the fourth quarter until the final drive, which again, some will look at and say garbage drive with the Saints up by two touchdowns, final minute of the game. It still counts in the stats. He finished with 205 yards, passing the two scores to Chris Godwin. Jameis will be the first one to tell you, though, that he's probably holding that ball too long. I mean, it's in combination. I know television replays were showing receivers not getting open, not coming back to the football. Yes, offensive linemen have to block better initially, but I got news for you. Uh, You're not going to be able to hold a good pass rush off on the road for three or four seconds. So if Jameis is back there counting one Mississippi like the old days in the backyard or in the street, one Mississippi, two Mississippi in the pocket – if you go to two Mississippi and start to go to three Mississippi, you got to make a decision on what to do with the ball. Whether it is just throw it away, as we saw Teddy Bridgewater do a couple of times, dump it to your check down guy. It's okay to occasionally take a sack. He took, and some, and he'll be the first one to say this, he took two or three of those sacks running around, turning his back to the defense, scrambling around. Just get rid of the ball. Live to fight on the next down. I mean, it's one thing if it's third down and you're down by two scores. That's understandable. You're trying to keep the drive alive. You get that. But there was a couple of times when it wasn't third down, you're still in the game, and just throw it away and live to fight on third down or maybe a fourth down. That's part of it. Yes, Mike Evans was held without a reception for the first time in 66 games. He had a 65-game streak of at least one catch. Some of that's him not being able to get open. Some of that is... Uh, by the same token, Jameis not having time to throw when maybe he was open. So it's a combination of both, but some of it is also the quarterback's got to make a better decision, a quicker decision on where am I going with the ball if protection breaks down. The best quarterbacks in this league, from Brady to Aaron Rodgers to the injured Drew Brees, all the best ones, Russell Wilson, they have an idea right away pre-snap, but certainly at the snap, where am I going with the ball if I get pressure over here? Pressure left, am I going right or am I going right behind the pressure on whatever the throw is? So that needs to be a little better, obviously, and I think Jameis Winston would tell you that as well. Continuing with our post-game comments, Levante David and that defense. Levante had some plays in this game. He's a veteran. He's gone against the Saints a bunch in his career. He talked to me about uh, the way that Teddy Bridgewater played, the way that the Saints played after it was done. Well, a tough one here today. 31-24 is our final as the Saints have won it. The Bucks kept battling at the end, got a late touchdown to close it to seven. Jameis Winston is here uh, with me. This was a hard-fought game. How much do you credit the Saints, their plan, and their defense, Jameis? Uh, they got a good team. Um, we just got to play better, execute better, and uh, when we do that, we're going to come out and win. But we got to put this one behind us and move forward. 
they were able to take Mike Evans largely out of this game, held him without a catch. Were they doing anything that they hadn't shown before? Do you just again say uh, congrats to their secondary for the job they did? Uh, they did a good job planning, um, and we, we, we just got to do a better job of getting other guys open. And Chris had another big day, uh, but it just wasn't enough. Let's follow up on that. Why has Chris had the success that he's had as you found him two more times in the end zone, another 100-yard receiving day? Uh, because they're doubling him. Uh, they're doubling Mike. So when they double Mike, they open him up. Uh, and he's been playing really good, really consistent for us. So uh, we just got to continue to find a way. We did a really good job running the football. Office line did a great job there. We just got to come back to work. Uh, you guys were able to battle back into this game in the second half. Defense got to stop. You were able to get a touchdown and hang in there. Uh, just say something about these NFC South games, because just like you won the one in Carolina, these always seem to come down to the very end, do they not? Yeah, that, I'm just happy that we fought hard. Um, I think we, we could have played better as a team collectively. I could have played better as a quarterback. But uh, we got to go and look at the tape, learn from our mistakes, and bid on our positives, and come back next week ready to play. Jameis, thank you. Thank you. Again, some of this you just chalk up to NFC South opponent hard-fought game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and the Buck pass rush, really not a factor against Bridgewater, who had lots of time to throw. And again, Sean Payton had a good game plan on get the ball out of his hand, uh, whether it was short to Alvin Kamara or to the tight end or somebody over the middle. They did get some good pass protection and some ball down the f- balls down the field to Michael Thomas, in particular the long touchdown to Ted Ginn, the 33-yarder in the second half. But a lot of this was get it out of his hand quick. Quick decision, that made a difference. Shaq Barrett has been such a story for the Buccaneer defense as a pass rusher, NFC Defensive Player of the Month for September. Here was Shaq Barrett after the game on what the Saints were able to do in the Superdome Sunday. We just walked up here on the Buccaneers Radio Network, Shaq. You may have answered this already. Uh, their ability to do different things, including using Taysom Hill, using Kamara as a receiver, that kind of thing, their versatility. How challenging is that? It's not really that challenging because it's still the same. They need to bring a new person in that quarterback who could just run or throw the ball. So he don't really do too much running. So it's not like it's not like that wasn't like the key part of the game for us at all. We just got to figure out all the other stuff that was going wrong for us and fix that. Because if that wouldn't have beat us at all, if they did that the whole game, we would have been straight. Uh, Michael Thomas, I know he's in the secondary a lot of this football game. Again, he had a big game. It was probably the difference to the game. And again, that's one of the best receivers in the NFL. So in some ways, you just have to credit what the other team is doing sometimes, right? They usually, uh, yeah. It's, so if it's a perfect ball, if you play in perfect position, the receiver can still make the play on it. So you got to be perfect in coverage all the time. So I think uh, as a receiver, he did a great job. I mean, he took advantage of his opportunities and came down with the uh, catches every time. So we just got to uh, play a little closer to him and just get the ball out, uh, PBUs, and get pressure on the quarterback so he won't have time to make them plays. And then when it was all over and done, we also spoke with head coach uh, Bruce Arians, uh, who was none too pleased, uh, especially in the second half of the game, with how the Bucks did not uh, match the intensity, did not minch, uh, match the execution uh, of what uh, he expects, uh, especially defensive secondary had some issues. But here, here was the coach on our Hooters postgame show when it was done. Again, 31-24 is our final, and Coach Bruce Arians is with us here immediately after this one uh, is over with. Give the Saints credit, yes. What were they doing well enough to win? What were you not doing well enough at the end of this one? Yeah, this one all came down to third down. We talked about it at halftime. They were converting third down, continuing to move the ball. We weren't, and uh, especially in the first half. And then, uh, you know, just didn't have the ball possessed enough 
Um, had a nice 18 play drive, the one at the end of the game, but we didn't possess the ball enough because of third down. Teddy Bridgewater, I know you've not seen coaches tape. He throws for four touchdowns on the day. He's a veteran quarterback. Just assess how well he played in this game. Oh, Teddy played outstanding, just like he always does. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater is a heck of a player and should be a starter in this league. I've always really, really respected him as a player. Uh, unfortunately, on your offense, you were not able to get Mike Evans involved. How much do you just credit the Saints for saying we're going to take him away in this game? No, none. I mean, that's a poor job on our part. Um, we've got to move him around. We know they're going to double cover him, and he's the X. He was playing inside. We had a couple targets in there, but we got to do a better job of moving him around. As far as the Saints' defense, especially in the second half, they really turned up the pass rush with just the front four. Was that really the defense, uh, the difference in not being able to move the ball? They didn't have to blitz to bring pressure? Yeah, they did a good job. You know, when you crank that noise level up and you go down two scores, it's going to be really tough on the offensive line. Um, overall, um, they, did, they did a better job. They whipped us. We were talking to Carlton Davis a second ago. Uh, no, no one obviously wants to get thrown out of a game. He's trying to make a play. He gets thrown out of the game. How much, if at all, did it affect the secondary, the coverage, that that's one of your starters not there for a whole half? Oh, it's huge. I mean, he's, he's our best corner. And to take him out of a ball game, and then Sean Murphy Bunning had been practicing nickel all week, had to go to corner and put MJ back in. So it was disruptive to a point. Um, I'll have to look, go back and look at the film again. I'm still not, sh I'm, I'm not agreeing that it should have been an ejection. In terms of DeMar Dotson, I know he was hurt at the end of the game. This is immediately after the game. Do we have any update on his injury or his status, or do we have to wait a little while? We'll have to wait. He had a, he had a hamstring injury. He, he came in with a calf and, and uh, battled it all, all, all game long, but uh, we'll wait and see what's up. And finally, you now get the unusual task that some teams do, that you've got to go play a game in London. So it alters your week a little bit later in the week to travel now across the Atlantic, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the longest home game I've had in a while. So uh, we'll, we'll do our normal Wednesday, Thursday practice and jump on the plane and get over there and, 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 and try to beat a really good Carolina team. He didn't say it to us, but you probably have heard or seen the comments. He used the word soft to describe the secondary. We got some guys that are playing soft, not physical enough in the coverage, bumping guys at the line of scrimmage, staying with guys, making tackles uh, down the field uh, for the safeties and the DBs. And again, not making excuses, but as I, as I asked him, when you don't have Carlton Davis in there, uh, some other guys had to step up, in, in particular Sean Murphy bunting, switched positions, and is now playing more on the outside instead of the nickel. Vernon Hargraves, again, a former number one pick, has got to tighten up his game. MJ Stewart's out there playing in the secondaries, a former number two pick. you got to play better. Uh, you got to step up better because there are going to be plenty of teams watching the game film uh, really over the last two or three weeks and are going to see that you're not you're not as sound in the secondary, you're not being as physical as you need to be. All right, so that concludes things with a 31-24 loss. There were some superlatives uh, from this game. Uh, credit to Chris Godwin, uh, who is off to a tremendous start now uh, at the beginning of this season. Second most receiving yards in Bucks franchise history in the first five games of a year. Only Keyshawn Johnson's 2001 season, where he had 548 yards, has been better than this start for Chris Godwin's 511 yards to start the season. Uh, Godwin also uh, with three career multiple touchdown games and seven games of 100 or more receiving yards. That's three straight 100 receiving yard games now for Chris Godwin as well uh, with the job that he was able to do on Sunday. Jameis Winston, by the way, second most touchdown passes in the first five games of a season in Bucks history. He ties Ryan Fitzpatrick with 11 touchdowns in five games. Uh, Fitzmagic had those 11 touchdowns in five games a year ago. 
Uh, Brad Johnson, 2003, 12 touchdowns in the first five games is the touchdown pass mark for the first five. Winston now, by the way, more passing yards in the first five games than any other quarterback in Buck history, 1,371 yards on the day. So again, some positive stats. Uh, on this one, the end result, though, a Saints 31-24 victory. And we'll see the Saints later in the year at home at Raymond James Stadium. Bucks now must get ready for a trip to London. For the first time since 2011, the uh, Buccaneers will travel across the Atlantic Ocean and play in the U.K. First time it will be at Tottenham Hotspur Soccer Stadium, not at Wembley Stadium, the famed stadium just outside of downtown London where they play most of these international series games. So we'll get our first look at the home of the Tottenham Hotspurs as this matchup will take place against the Carolina Panthers. Carolina rolling with another win. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian McCaffrey explosive throughout the game with three touchdowns, including an 88-yard touchdown run on Sunday in Carolina. So the Bucks and Panthers will now do battle. That one will be a special start time, by the way. They've begun to do this over the last few years uh, in the NFL season, and that's have an early breakfast game for most of the country. Uh, so it will be Bucks and Panthers 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That is 2.30 in the afternoon in London, five hours ahead. 9.30 a.m. in the East. Adjust your time zone accordingly. Bucks and Panthers will kick off prior to all those 1 o'clock games. So an NFC South showdown, a chance to sweep the Panthers after that 20-14 win over Carolina on Thursday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. Can the Bucs buckle down against McCaffrey? No Cam Newton, it doesn't look like, at least in the short term here. Kyle Allen, the backup quarterback, has won three games in a row. Former Texas A&M and University of Houston quarterback has played pretty well at times. Newton bothered by the bad foot. We'll know later in the week if he's going to try to play in London. Right now, if you're Ron Rivera, why would you mess with it with the way that Kyle Allen is playing with three wins in a row in relief? We'll find out. So the Bucks travel back to England, back to the U.K. for the third time in franchise history. We will be on the air on Buccaneers Radio early uh, with the radio network coverage coming at 7.30 a.m. Um, in the coverage from... Uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and from England, just outside of uh, outside of London uh, for this matchup. So we're excited to watch what happens with the Carolina Panthers. So wake up early, get your coffee, get your waffles, get your fruit, be ready to go uh, for a 9.30 a.m. kickoff abroad in the U.K. It is, it is Sunday afternoon, but we'll be ready to rock and roll uh, here for Buccaneers uh, Radio with Gene and Dave and I on the call from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We look forward to it. My thanks to Steve Carney helping me with the interviews and the highlights. Also, Jeff Ryan, our director of broadcasting for Buccaneers Radio. I'm TJ Reeves. Again, subscribe to this podcast however you found it through the Buccaneers mobile app, uh, through Buccaneers.com. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts uh, to Nothing But Bucks. It will come automatically to you when these games are done. Uh, on uh, on Sundays. This Sunday's game with Carolina. Expect that Nothing But Bucks podcast by midday after we're back from the UK uh, next Monday. But again, if you subscribe, you don't even have to go look for the link. You don't even have to find it. It comes automatically to your phone, your iPad, or however you're listening to the show. That'll do it for this edition of Nothing But Bucks. Tough one in the Superdome on Sunday. Off to England now for the Bucks and the Panthers this Sunday, 9.30 a.m. special start time. We look forward to it on Buccaneers Radio. I'm TJ Reeves, and thank you for being with me on the Nothing But Bucks podcast.